Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Sacramento, Sacramento, Sacramento. Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 111. My name's Turner Sparks. My name is Kaplan, Michael Kaplan. You can find me at Turner B Sparks on Twitter. You can find Kaplan at Cap in America on Twitter. Also, we're on Instagram. Where are we, Cap? Uh, do I have to promote Instagram still? Every uh, I'm time. Not, I'm a, I turned 41. I think I'm, I have to get off Instagram. It's bigger than Twitter, they can tell me. All right, all right. I'm a Cap in America. We're lost in America. And uh, we're also lost in America on Twitter. And I'm Turner Sparks yes. on Instagram. We're, that's all, yeah. Find us, people. On the Please. podcast today, we have Suzanne Lee Shepard, comedian Suzanne Lee Shepard. Suzanne Lee. Is there another Suzanne Lee Shepard that's not a there comedian? There might be someone no. out there. I'm sure there's someone. Probably a listener. Yes, probably a listener. Shout out to you. <laughs> Suzanne lived in Singapore uh, around the same time I was living in Shanghai. We crossed paths. Out, we think we crossed paths out there. We're not 100% but sure. You, but you don't but remember it. She started out in the comedy scene in Singapore when I was starting out in, in the Suzhou Shanghai scene. Rival scenes. Not rival scenes, because oh. we were pretty separate from each other. Okay. I did go down there from time to time, but um, we're going to get to know her, get to know her experience, and then she, three years ago, 2015, she moved to New York a year before I came as a, uh, similar, as a comedian who started abroad and then moving in to, from, a, from another scene into New, the we'll Big find Bad. out how lost in America she was coming back home, too. Exactly. But before all that, Kaplan, yeah. let's start with... Elections are over. Elections have been over now for a few weeks. Yeah, we didn't want, I didn't really want to, we haven't talked about this because I kind of was hoping people would forget that are. Well, I don't actually, so I want to, what happened, because we've had three big uh, characters of our podcast have been political figures, politicians, right? Right. We had Joe Garricks. And he came on the podcast a couple years ago. He's a lefty from Connecticut, as far as I know. And he's a big listener, shout out. And he did not win his election. He's a Bernie crack. He was like the only Democrat not to win. Well, no, 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 no. save it, save it, (laughs) save it, save it, save it. Oh, he didn't win a couple years ago. Yeah. You're right, you're right. Did he run again? We'll just save it. Okay. And then we had uh, Gary Johnson, obviously a presidential candidate in 2016, and U.S. Senate candidate. And then we also had Julia Salazar, who's our super uh, alt-left. Alt, no, alt-middle. Oh, she's alt-middle. We decided, we took her as our own. We made her, when she won the nominee, oh, before yeah. the nominee, before the primaries back in September, 
when everyone was making fun of her for having some conflicting storylines, we we grasped oh, yeah. onto her she, and we threw her a lifeboat and said, "We are not going to let you drown. We recognize you as the voice was, of the alt middle." And to catch me up on her, she was born Jewish and then she converted to Cuban. <laughs> Is that what she did? <laughs> Cuban, yes. And then she no, also had she wasn't born Jewish. No, what was she that born? Was, she was claiming it was a whole. Oh, she was born Gentile. I'm actually confused. This is she's she, Colombian, she was born in Miami, claiming but... Jewish. And then she also said she was. She decided, even though she's from America, she decided at some point she was born in Colombia. Right. She decided she was a Jewish. She ran as a Jewish woman of color from Colombia, even though she's, she's a white, chick not from really a woman Oregon. of color or Jewish. <laughs> yeah. And so, then she also had some problem with. Uh, New York Mets baseball player. Uh, which one was it? Uh, Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez. He was friends with his wife and ex-wife. And, and she had an affair with maybe, him. Maybe. I don't I don't want to get sued, so let's not go that far. But she she had a little run-in with trying to cash some checks or something. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. That Allegedly. Went, that went for her. So let's go through all of them and see how our people did. First oh. of all, let's start with uh, Joe Garrick's. Uh-huh. 2018. He is our, see, that's why we're the alt middle. We have a guy, he's a Bernie Krat. Yeah, and then Bernie we got Krat. Julia Salazar. She's a alt middle. She's pretty Bernie Krat, too. Yeah, she's Bernie Krat. And then <laughs> we got Krat So let's start with Joe Garrick's in 2018 in his election. He did not run. Oh, he didn't run, yes. He set this one out. Smart move. Yeah, because it wasn't like there was a blue wave or anything. There I'm sure. No, was- <laughs> yeah, the blue wave, he rightly predicted that the blue wave was not coming. Yeah. Well, so he said, I'm going to wait until 2020 when people are really sick of Trump. Okay. And then he's going to try again. He's basically saying that he's so un- hard for him to get elected that he needs like a <laughs> like a tsunami. He doesn't need like a wave. He needs a tsunami. <laughs> he needs a blue tsunami to <laughs> through, get over the hump. Through Fairfield and Trumbull, Connecticut. Yeah. We're going to. All right. So that's 0-1. Oh, oh not 0-1. Oh, 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 that's a tie. 0-1. Oh, and, oh, and okay. 0-1. Oh, oh, Okay. And then up uh, next up, we had uh, uh, Gary Johnson. Who actually, believe it or not, called into this very podcast. He did. People who didn't hear that episode. listen to that. A pre- uh, uh, the guy who came in third in the presidential voting. Third most popular f- American yeah. in 2018. <laughs> right? I think a couple million people voted for him for president of the United States. Yeah. And he came on our podcast, called in. He's from New Mexico. He ran for the United States Senate. When he, Let's just say when he called into our podcast, he was polling at 8%. Yeah. When it ended up, he ended up at 16%. He got 16% of the vote. He did. We so, bumped him. We doubled, we doubled him. The yes. pod doubled. Yes, the pod doubled. You can't ask us to move mountains to, to get you elected. But we, we, we did. We can't take you from 8 to 51. No. But, but we, we can, can take you from 8 to 16, and that's a lesson. That's a lesson for Joe Garrick's out there, any of those people. Did Joe get 8% of the vote in Connecticut? What did he it's get? Un- undeclared, but yeah. I think whatever he got, we probably doubled it. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so that's, that's probably shout true. out to our good friend Gary Johnson. He didn't win, yeah. but he doubled his. But vote. he gets to go on that bike race now. He gets to go on you his bike it. race. And, you know, you were we were up against Apple was refusing to air our podcast for about a day. It was a it, lot you, of issues. You, yeah, they were anti. So they could, uh, you could argue Gary we would have got him up to twenty five percent if they would have aired it a day earlier. Because I will lost. argue that. Yeah. So you know, t- take it up with the Tim Cook. So now we're oh one and one. Oh one and one. Need and a win. Now we got Julia Salazar. Yes. What about her? Batshit crazy <laughs> alt middle person. She won. Yes. Yes. She's Fun. running in New in the state of New York for a Congress is state she, Senate. She She's your state senator. I think 18th district. I think that covers parts of Brooklyn. Oh. And she won. Um, and you know why she's even more alt middle than ever? What? Because she did, ran unopposed. <laughs> no one can take her. That's very alt middle because that's like the China model. Yes. Right? Yeah, okay. you, everyone runs unopposed in China. <laughs> yes. So that is how we can win. The China model. Did we, did we get it? Now, 
I would argue she was sitting at like 97% of the vote. <laughs> sure. But we might have bumped up to like 99. Well, I think what we need to do following the China model, we need to go find those people who didn't vote for her and put them in prison. But we need to <laughs> we need to test them for, yeah, put them in prison and then kick them out of the country after they've served their term. And then kick them out of the country after they've served their Real sentence. Shanghai treatment. <laughs> we'll do that. So we're one, one, and one. That's not bad. We'll take it. That doesn't get coaches fired. Doesn't get, it doesn't get your contract. It's better than your soccer record with Teddy. We'll get to that next week. I got a lot to say on that. Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. They're moving to Caps Neighborhood. If we want to support them. want to support the move. <laughs> you want to support the move. If you want to support us, go to lostinamericapod.com. It's Christmas season. It's Hanukkah season. It's Kwanzaa season. Thanksgiving just came. It's New Year's Eve. Do people get presents for New well, Year's Eve? You got to buy your like noisemakers and your hats and Guess stuff. Guess what else is coming up not too long? It's Chinese New Year. Yeah. Early next year. So it, you go to the lostinamericapod.com and you click on the Amazon link. And yes. You do your regular shopping. And guess what? If you're really angry at how Amazon might have screwed over parts of the country. Take money away maybe take their Might be crony capitalism taking all this money from Ooh. New York State. Yeah. If you're mad about that, which you're you're not, you're a crony capitalist. I'm a crony capitalist. To your core. Yeah. Uh, if you're mad about that, stick it to Amazon. We will get some of that money they normally would just get. You're right. We'll take a percentage. It's like this is this is progressive economics 101. Yes, we want to take take the rich money. We want to take it. food out of their children's mouths. Yes, because we what the are poor over here. Want to do? Yes, we want. Like us. I, yes. So I need that money. All right. Turner needs that money. Help us out. All right. Let's get to Lost in America. Play the music. We're back. Kaplan, I'm lost in America this week. But before this, I just want to say Thanksgiving was last week. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. We are recording this in advance. Yes. So any Thanksgiving stories that go on this this upcoming weekend for us, last week yeah. for you, they'll be on next week. If week's I pod. get thrown out of the polo club in Boca for violating one of the many, many rules they have in these retirement communities. Yes. Like I didn't wear the right jacket or shoes or something. That'll be next or week. Or the pool. Yeah. You will hear about it next week. If I get thrown out of the army, <laughs> you'll hear about that next <laughs> week. You start National incident. Yes, at West yeah. Point. I'm just picturing the guy from Few Good Men, Jack Nichols' character. That's that's the guy you're seeing and think he's going to tell me I can't handle the truth. Yeah, Cap, I'm lost in America. Mm-hmm. The housing crisis, 2008 financial crisis. <laughs> I literally just okay. I've, you just I've, found out about it. Is that what you're gonna... I was going to say I just found out about it, but that wouldn't be true. I knew about it, but I didn't know anything about it. I just knew it happened. I didn't understand the minutia. Right. The details. Subprime. You didn't know what that meant. I didn't know. I still don't know subprime. Prime, subprime. All I know is that um, all I knew previously was that a bunch of people uh, lost all their jobs and then that was it. And then people didn't live in houses. And then what here's what I've recently found out. And you can tell me if I'm wrong. But I found out someone explained it to me. They're like, this is what happened is in 2008, before 2008, America was giving houses to people, letting people buy houses. Uh-huh. America was. But the people didn't have money. <laughs> yes. Well. And my thing is, give me a house. Yeah. I don't have money. That's a great idea. I'm all for this. Right. I, why don't I have a house with no money? America's, because every other country in the world, they go, hey, you want to have a house? You want you got it. You got to have some money. But not us. We be diff- we're different. Yeah, well, that's it's a very American thing. 
Yes. That's the problem. It's home ownership is part of like that middle class thing. Well, okay. then also because people said because we've always had houses for people who don't have money. It's called projects, <laughs> yeah, right? We've all, and people said I want to have a house. Yes, I'm entitled that. to a house, and they said, okay, you can live in this project. They go, no, 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 I don't have any money, but I want a better house. Yeah, I don't want to be a rent- but no money because we, we shame renters. Shen- renters are shamed in America. Are they? Yeah, it's not part of the American dream. You home owning a house, two point one kids, the picket fence, the whole nine yards. Yeah, that's American dream. There's no American dream about writing a rent check every month. They're living in a project. Yeah, living in the project. You're not even a project. But here's the it. thing. If you don't have money, get in the pro like get in, you don't deserve a house. Right. That's why I live and, in the projects. Am I crazy? I don't have money. I live in the projects. Yeah, you yeah, you live in a very <laughs> nice project. But is am I okay, so am I am I right? So far I'm right. I'm on track. Yeah, but here's the best that's essentially it wasn't the people that didn't have any money. They would have like money for like three percent down, which sounds nuts, right? Like so if a house was like Oh really? A, a million dollar house, you can do a math of three percent. Three percent, that's like three dollars. <laughs> I was gonna say three hundred thousand no, no, it's like three hundred dollars. Three thousand dollars thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> $30,000. Yeah. So really? That's all for real? That's all you well, have to put? You, they're as low as 3% down. So uh, maybe not on a million that dollar house, but on like a few hundred thousand dollar house, you could do that. Wow. So so yeah, for a hundred thousand dollar house, that's three thousand dollars. Guess so what? There you go. You don't deserve a house. Am I crazy for saying am I so, not Julius Salazar? And people who would have, you know, their jobs that could pay the as long as they had the jobs, they could pay the monthly thing. But then yeah, you lose your job all of a sudden they don't have any money. They can't yeah. pay their monthly bill. So, and guess what? I think we're back to that. Or we've been back to that. Well, wait, can I go? So the next thing the person told me, because they said people don't have any money, but then they just get a house. I'm like, okay. Right. And then they said in 2008, America was shocked that all these people who didn't have money couldn't pay for their house. How was that shocking? Ooh. Like, wait, slow down. You don't have money, and but yet we gave you a house with no money, but yet you can't pay for your house? Well, it's like we expect because people are just we just think like people just have money somewhere like they like everyone's got if you got a job, you must have money to I don't know. We we don't really think about it. We just it's like paycheck to paycheck. That's the term. That's what That's, Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Right? Like mortgage payment to mortgage payment. No savings. Yeah, no savings. This is, isn't that nerve wracking? I don't I know. I don't own so, a house. I'm I'm a product of Asia, I think a product of China where people save like 90 percent of their money is in their bank account. Yeah, that's the they save money. It's, it, that's a problem too. They and that's spend. also why they didn't get hit by the financial crisis very hard. Yeah, it barely hit China. I mm-hmm. think maybe because they all had saved money. I don't really know. You, you should be able to. You may not know about our crisis. You should know why it didn't hit China. You got to be an expert somewhere. Yeah. Oh, well, they also did a big make works. Uh, they did the uh, FDR thing. No. They gave everyone a job. They built Media. trains throughout yeah. the country. Everyone got a job. I mean, all these people needed my grandfather, Grandpa High, shout out. He oh, he's still <laughs> he's a big listener. <laughs> well, not live, but yeah. Oh. He he would always say, like, you need to buy. Like, he didn't want to rent. But he also was practical. So I, would, I remember I saw this great place in Brooklyn once in like 2008 yeah. that I thought was like uh, a steal. It was like $550,000. Yeah. So I was like, Grandpa, can you give me some money for the down payment? Because uh, that's what people do. A lot of people. Yeah, you and, just get money from someone else. And I'm like, this is a really good deal. It'll be good. It'll be a good investment. And he just was like, uh, I would love to help you out, but five fifty thousand dollars. You need a starter home. You just got. You're getting. We were about to get. We were engaged. Oh yeah. He's like, you're getting married. You get a starter home, one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand dollars. And he's I'll right. help you out. Yeah, I'll help you out. But th- so it's very practical. Yeah. There's nothing in New York City other than like a closet, <laughs> yeah, up in, like, a storage facility up in like, Harlem. But um, people don't have that. A lot of people it's the other way around. They think like home ownership is like. This dream, as I said. Yeah. And you're comp- once you get that home, it's like people who like don't like maybe their jobs not so great, their life's not so great, but you get the home, then you're successful in a way. 
But that's you got the home. You own the home. You own the home. You own three percent of the home. I know you don't really own the home, but in your mind America you own the home. The and then home. you can look down on the people in the projects. Or you oh can yeah. Look down on that's them. what people really you want. You want to look do. down on someone. Yeah. You want to have this home. It's very so. Okay. Yeah. Last piece of this, and then we'll move on. And then he said how it ended was that they were like, well, what do we do with these houses? What do we do with these houses? And they're like, I don't know what we should do. How about we just give the banks the house? Yeah. Why? To open more banks? No, because the banks own the loans. They get the... <laughs> to turn the house into a bank? You know how a loan works? If you give them yeah. a loan and you it's collateral, so to speak? Well, why does the bank want a house? What are they going to do with the house? What, what, it's the a, bank, the big bad bank owner is going to live in it? They're, no, they're going to... Well, they'll sell it down the road. Yeah. That's why you go to these, like, these, um, what was the term? These sub, uh, I'm blanking on the term. They're very popular back Auctions. Today. Auctions, yeah. Like, well, you could buy things. Really, if you went in, I knew guys. I never had the balls to be this kind of guy. I also didn't have the money. But like, you go in these auctions, you buy a house cheap. Yeah. And then you flip it. You, you fix it up oh, real good. Oh, it's all about flipping, flipping houses. All about fl- then, get, flip that's houses. when you knew. I've heard of that. The two, when you knew, you know when you know in a bubble? This How? Two rules. One is when everyone you know is flipping houses. Everyone's got any money. Oh, yeah. Run around flipping houses left and right. Yeah. Two, when everyone you know is in real estate. Like, like everybody yeah. like got their real estate. And like that was what's happening. Like, I remember everyone who's like in the writing. Wait, that's act- happening now. Yeah, well, that's why we're in another bubble. Oh, we geez. didn't learn any of our lessons. So, like, oh, everyone geez. you know who's like a writer, an actor, everyone. They're all getting real estate licenses. I thought about it. Like, you, you're like, oh, I could do that. I'm a good at talking to people. Everyone put uh, all everyone, your money in Everyone Bitcoin. with a podcast probably has a real estate license, <laughs> yeah. too. We, it's also we're in a bubble when everyone has a podcast. Yeah. Well, we have a president now who's like loves bubble like this is his thing like dead is his thing so we and we aim before him we hadn't learned any of our lessons that is king isn't it yeah he's a debt king you're like, yeah, he that. so, you know, so we're not gonna we're not the type of podcast that can give you advice about when the bubble's gonna burst all right or anything like that but you know all right well i i don't know i guess i understand it better now should we oh ants yeah ants is an app you can get in the app store it's up to five minute audio record is it still five minutes the audio five recording minutes. now it's a one button you just press it and it goes you press it and it goes, and you can talk back. It's not as much. People still use it now for kind of like recording music and talking to the ether and write, saying poems, but more it's for like one-to-one communication. Yeah. no, I want to talk to Kaplan. I don't want to text. Boom, I ends. Yeah, no, it's great for, and it's great for having conversations with people. We started, we, yeah. We're starting to start some chats. We actually, we talked about the election. I started a chat on, on Ents about, uh, about white women, about us being proving right about the white women. Oh, you did. I started. I ended. The white women would be the. We predicted we this a year and a half ago. We said white men at that point were the enemy. We said white women, you're going to be the next enemy. Yeah. It's happening now. Right, so in the election, when Beto O'Rourke didn't win in Texas, when Stacey Abrams, everyone white turned as white women voted for the Republicans. We're off the hook now. Yeah. So I had a whole. I don't blame white men. Go anymore. on ends if you want to hear my rant. But I got a lot of positive feedback. Really? Tani. As a listener, she uh, she mentioned we got Miles Peak, we got people were commenting. Nice, good conversation between some Julia Salazar. Yeah, she's not she's white. Not, yeah, I'm got, sure she hates white people. We got conservatives. She we converted. got some liberals. We got people having a conversation. It's more than like on Twitter where you tweet something yeah. and you get a little snarky reply. And yeah, yeah, yeah. This That's is like it, we're exchanging ideas here. So Ents is a great app. And I think you have to be a little more humane when you actually have to talk it out and, as yeah. opposed to just type 100, 280 characters. Yeah, it's not about, yeah, it's about actually hearing someone's story and, and responding. So it's the, it's the, it's the future. It's not gotcha journalism. Yeah. We're not, <laughs> Ingram is, doesn't believe. He's, he, he loves old He's journalism. like Sarah Palin. They don't believe in gotcha journalism. <laughs> he's like, All right. He's we like Sarah to Palin. our guests. Let's <laughs> Let's bring her in. Suzanne Lee Shepard, come on in. All right, we're back with Suzanne Lee Shepard. Welcome to the show. 
Oh, pre-roll. Yes. Yeah. So you were, okay, you were living in Singapore. Yeah. And um, wait, when? Because I was... I was in Asia while you were, I think we were yeah. there at the same time and I was going to Singapore, but I don't know if we ever crossed paths. Yeah, How's that possible? I don't yeah, know. I don't know. It's so funny because uh, like maybe we crossed paths or something, but it didn't anyway, like, yeah, it didn't uh, stick. Yeah, but it didn't anyway. Um, but yeah, so, so I lived in Asia from, uh, 2012 to 2015. And, um, you know, one of the things that I really, pre- so I, I started doing comedy in Asia and so one of the things I like the most about the Singapore scene and just in Asia in general is, um, you know, it's very welcoming, you know, because it's so new, people sort of like just just wrap you in and they're there to help you and they're there to give you stage time, even though you really don't deserve it. Let's sure. Say, you know, but you and you just have so many opportunities to work on your stuff. And so I'm just I'm very grateful for the fact that I started doing comedy there because I think. Had I started in New York, it, it would have just been too tough. I would have been like, this is this is too cutthroat for me. And I've only got one throat. Can't do it. You know, like, <laughs> I agree. Absolutely impossible. I yeah. started in China uh, in, in Shanghai, Suzhou, yeah. but 2000, basically like 10, 9, 10. But then um, 2012. So I know a lot of the people you would know. Yeah. I'm so sure we have like, a, well, we are friends on Facebook, but I'm sure. Yeah. Like we have 80 people that are like, uh, uh, like uh, Rishi Budrani yeah, yeah, and yeah. Sharul, his yeah, wife. Yeah. Okay. So did Shout you, out. where were you performing when you were start, when, in Singapore, when you first got going? Um, when I first started, um, do you, so Umar Rana, do you know him? Yeah, yeah. So Umar had a show at this place called the Home Club and it was kind of really the only um, no, I shouldn't say that there was. So it was the home club and then also um, this uh, place called Blue Jazz as well in Singapore. And so it was kind of like um, like Umar's, Umar's show was always on a Tuesday and then Blue Jazz would be on a Wednesday. And yeah, so when I started, that was kind of it. And then actually there was also another show called Fight Comic. But it was also a blue jazz, but those were the only like two venues, really. Oh wait, was that a was that run by a like a British guy? Yeah, um, it his name was um, that guy was a real character, right? Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah, uh, Colin something. Anyway, I guess I won't name British him. guy named something Colin. happened with this guy. Yeah, it's better we don't name him because yeah, I'm I'm half remembering the story. Something oh, crazy happened. I, just, That's I did him. just I did just I did just remember his name and it's not Colin, but I I won't say his name because so I'm we can talk about him. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> wait, what happened? This is always I feel like in small um, communities of comedy or small communities of anything where people don't totally know what they're doing, like crazy stuff. Yeah. So what was he stealing material or he like took yeah. over someone's so, club or what did he do? So what happened was again, um, I'm not going to name shame anyone in this yeah. situation but Colin so what <laughs> Colin yeah. Jost we, we, it was we, Colin Jost we can just we can just call him Colin because yeah. I, I know yeah. for sure that that's it's not great alias um, so anyway so what happened was you know there's I think that sometimes you know there's always politics in, in comedy but especially in smaller communities yeah there's sort of this I started this show. How dare you start another show, even if it's on a different night in a different venue, thinking that you're, you know, there's a lot of hurt feelings when it goes to that. Anyway, so what this guy, and so he kind of, you know, was a little bit of a greasy character. So what happened was he found another venue at um, one of the hotels in Singapore. I think it was off, off Orchard Road and produced the show and then roped in this other comic who, again, we won't name shame, was awful like didn't have like he was he was just a bad comic in general oh i thought you meant as a person well i was like i know a lot of those but yeah he was was very he was just a little odd and um, anyway so colin uh roped this other (laughs) bad comic in to do the show 
that he had written. So again, like, yes, now I remember. And so, and so he basically hands the bad comic, this script. So again, as a comic, unless you're, you know, someone who is mega famous has already done. Why would you ever even say yes to performing like someone else's script, like a stand-up script, like or a yeah. one-man yeah. show? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as if, as if you know, he he were so um, Chris Rock and Louis C.K. was handing him, you know, an like, hour of yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so then what happens? Actually, is, Louis C.K. could try that. That's another story. <laughs> start writing stuff for people. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So anyway, so then what happened is that they do the show, and then one of the other comics caught wind of it. And went and like secretly recorded it. And so, and, and, and again, unclear how he went unnoticed, but went to the show, recorded it. And yeah. And Colin had just ripped off basically everyone's joke, except for mine. That was the one thing. Oh, come on. I was like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you don't even want to take white girl from Kansas stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a white girl. I mean, white guy from Kansas. (laughs) He would go to the show and like, just basically take crib jokes from each person. It was like a best of what I remember. Best of from all of Asia, including wasn't there Paul Ogata jokes in there? Yeah. Because Paul's been on the podcast before. Yeah. Yeah, That's when I think I first heard about it. Paul, Paul's like a big name in Asia and Paul put it on his Facebook or something yeah and then everybody's like wait what yeah just stole from people who weren't in asia <laughs> great idea yeah, exactly so he um so yeah so so the recording got out to um you know basically everyone and yeah he had just ripped off everyone's jokes and they only did the show one time but i mean you talk about <laughs> what were the recording the backlash of what <laughs> yeah. happened not worth it yeah, like there's an audience member ready to record yeah it's yeah. so it will yeah so the audience member that recorded it was another comic like mm. again and I, I i don't know how we caught wind of it also anyway. named colin <laughs> yeah probably colin and so um yeah so there was this huge thing and they went through and um it was and it was it was kind of very much like um uh you know a situation where at first he was like trying to explain it and he goes, listen, I didn't steal that much stuff. You know, like I didn't. And then it was, and then he was like that, you know, fuck you and all that. Yeah. Anyway, right. the he other, went there all five stages. Yeah. Other, what about the guy who delivered the jokes? What was it? Did he just, he didn't recognize any of them? Oh, never totally, seen totally yeah. outcast from yeah. the, yeah, yeah, totally outcast from the community. Oh. Yeah. I know. Right. He didn't know. I mean, he just fallen orders. Yeah. He <laughs> because the other, the other thing about this story, is that the show wasn't even good. He bombed with everyone else's best stuff. Well, of course, because like, how are you, you can't memorize other people's material. That'd be very difficult to deliver. Yeah. I would forget, like it's easy to remember your own material. Yeah. But if I had to remember word for word someone else's material, I think it'd be difficult. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. And also it's just, you know, like, it being sort of like true to yourself, like you living it. He's like, Oh God, you know? So, um, (laughs) so yeah, so that got out and then he was basically, you know, totally outcast from the, from the community. No one wanted to work with him. And so what happened, I remember this was, you know, months after that, um, we were doing a show. They started another venue called the penny black in Singapore. And we were doing a show and the outcasted comic came and he goes, Hey, I'm making a documentary about comedy. Can I record your set? <laughs> Amazing. That's a great strategy. And I was like, I was like, uh, no. Wait, the guy who delivered the lines or the guy who wrote the line? No, the, the guy who delivered the lines. <laughs> he, he wanted to try to through. steal again. Yeah. And he and I was like, no. You should and make he, him do the dishes or something at the club. He's gotta yeah, work his way back. Exactly. You can't just Yeah, you're all, you're on the fry. With club. uh like yeah. with earmuffs on. Yeah. yeah so you exactly. can't hear hear other people's material. So yeah, so he came up to me was like, can I record your set? And I was like, oh, hells no. And then he like <laughs> acted like I was being the bad guy. And he kind of, oh he gosh. was like, well, 
moved by and it kind of sulked away. And I mean, and he, he eventually left the venue before we started the show. But I, I mean, can't believe the goal. I should have moved there for this whole. <laughs> this <laughs> sounds like so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, who else did they tell? Because we've had other people. We had Faka Fuzz on oh, yeah, on the podcast. Yeah. Do you know who else's jokes they stole? Uh, I'm sure they stole loads of Fuzz's stuff. Uh, Jinx Yao. Oh yeah, Jinx yeah. hasn't been on I, I yet. I mean, I think it's like you can. Yeah. You, I think they you did can it all. basically like everybody. go through every. You know, um, you know, certainly like. Uh, you know the you know the people that were local especially like it was that because because it was a, a local singaporean delivering it he was like mm, i kind of have to steal from local you know, he didn't want to yeah, go on youtube exactly you know, yeah so. that's smart um how do you think you're gonna get, get away with that yeah i don't wasn't know for those rotten kids it's, you would have <laughs> i don't i don't understand the logic behind it because you know, in a, in the first time that colin apologized about it <laughs> he sort of said oh you know, a lot of it was written. We only, you know, again, we only stole these jokes, which are generic. And, you know, we oh, could put thought, down the jokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then why'd you yeah. steal them? <laughs> they were shitty jokes. Anyway. I mean, there's only so many jokes you can tell in this world. Let's be honest. Yeah. There's a lot of parallel thinking. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, you know, and so, so he said that. But yeah, again, I don't understand his logic as to how a he thought it was going to get away with it. B, if he was found out to sort of justify what he did was, you know, was was ethical and it was not so bad. Was it the yeah. only comic who performed that night? This one guy. Yeah, this, it was that, and uh, it was like a one man show. Yeah, it was a one man show, <laughs> one man show. which is supposed to be all your like deep dark thoughts and feelings yeah. and like real personal. Yeah, it's like jarring if these every all these comics are deep, totally different people and it's just like moving. Yeah, he's like changing <laughs> point of view like, like every thirty all seconds. Of a sudden he's changing his like background, joke to joke. <laughs> so how did you? So those were basically there was like three shows. Were there open mics? Or how did you kind of develop? Um, so, yeah, so I, so, um, I, I developed by doing like a spot, like every once in a while for those two shows. Yeah. And then eventually, um, we, we started some other shows like at the Penny Black. And again, it was always like it. And so it got to the point where we, you know, found like a couple other venues and started doing shows. But again, it was no, like, let's step on anyone's toes. It was always on a different night. Yeah. Know? And so it was kind of one of those, like Monday night, we had a show. Um, not a show, but an open mic. And then Tuesday was uh, Umar's show at Home Club, um, which then eventually got moved to um, a different place down on Club Street. Well, it's all on Club Street, isn't it? Um, and then Wednesdays was, was the uh, Blue Jazz. And then Thursdays, we would do a show at the Penny Block. And then that was kind of it. That's like, pretty good. Yeah, it was it was really good. It, it, it definitely got to the point where you could do comedy like most nights a week, That's yeah, for, which was really For good. the Asian scene, that's pretty good. Yeah, for sure. I think that took us... We were like once a week for a year or two, yeah. a couple years, yeah. I think. And then it was like a few years in until there was multiple nights in a week. Yeah, yeah. You because do you it. do kind of have to get like the following going. And the other thing about it is, again, because not only is the comedy scene a small community, but the people who are into comedy also still a small scene. So, you know, they don't want to come, you know, to multiple shows a week nor do they want to see the same people and just hear that, you know, because people really weren't turning over their material that much. It's, so I mean, I, have you ever tried? I tried doing that, like writing new jokes. We try to write like new 10 minutes every month and you're just terrible. Yeah. Like, how do I, I'm throwing out that 10, like 10 new. <laughs> yeah, throw it does. Yeah. Because you don't, because there's no real like open mic scene, you know, you sort of don't have that safe space to try your new stuff, you know, and then, and it, it's, um, and, and for me personally, I hadn't bombed enough yet to be comfortable when that new stuff wasn't working and then just go back to the old stuff that I was like, okay, like, like, you know, it was too uncomfortable. Well, now it's like, I don't care at all. Um, but it's, you know, just having that, um, 
sort of gusto to get through a bad set. Yeah. Cause it's, cause every, because every opportunity to perform is a show. And so therefore you always want to smash it every time you go on stage, which is a terror, which is obviously not That's terrifying to, to, you know, really, um, you know, you know, growing your material and, you know, building it up. That's what I felt like when I first moved here. Ooh. Because I was so nervous about being in New York yeah. and then I wasn't doing really, I, I didn't feel like the open mics, like, I mean, there there's, I did a lot of bad ones when yeah. I first got here and then I started getting onto shows, but then I was never, I never had like a, a uh, place I was always at. I was just doing bar shows around town. Yeah. And the first like couple of months you're like, I don't want to, I just want to do my best stuff. Yeah. I just want to do my best stuff. And then like, you're like, Oh, I haven't written anything in like a few months. Yeah. Yeah. It's, to me. Yeah. It's like that, that pressure to just always smash it. And then for me personally, when I have that pressure, like, you know, it, it it's um, like you get in your head so much rather than even if you are doing your good stuff, like it still doesn't go as well as you want it to because you're just thinking, oh, I want to smash it. Whereas, you know, now that it's been, um, you know, so I've been in New York for three years now. It's like, OK, like, you know, it's it's OK to just like live and be in the moment, you know. So anyway, but yeah. So what was like when you got going there, what was the demographics how many comedians are in the scene and what was the demographics? Was it, was it like expats living there? Or was it local Singapore? Yeah. I mean, there were, there were, um, yeah, there were definitely expats, but I mean, I think that, I mean, and again, I, I like, I can't like if I, you know, I'd say probably maybe about like 15 people, like, yeah. you know, so, so it wasn't a lot, um, you know, it was kind of like, you know, maybe 70, 30, um, you know, 70% local, um, 30% expat, or maybe like a little bit, um, more even just the dispersed. comedians or the audience. Uh, the, the comedians. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and th- and then that's the thing is that, um, so Umar show has had like a lot of, um, Singaporeans in it, you know, some expats. And then the shows that we do at the Penny Black were more, uh, were primarily expats for whatever reason. I think it was just, um, you know, it, it was just based on like venue location essentially. Um, so, so that was good because you, you sort of tried to learn how to, to switch gears and, you know, what your strengths are, if this is going to be a different audience. But at the same time, I think that, um, you know, I've never performed in China, but it's probably um, not, you know, because Singapore is, you know, so progressive, it, they are more akin to Western humor than, you know, maybe if you're performing in China. So. I think the language is the biggest difference. Sure, sure, sure. So yeah. whenever around Asia, whenever I've performed and you might have the same experience, places that speak English, like the Philippines, or Singapore, yeah, yeah. Um, or not really Hong Kong, but um, anywhere you speak English natively, then the audience is going to be mostly local, yeah. And the other comedians are going to be mostly local. And then if they're not, if it's English is not their native language, it's like the exact flip. Like in Shanghai, our comedians were like eighty percent expat and oh, maybe twenty wow. yeah. percent Chinese because it was Chinese people. But then they had to learn English, yeah. And then they had to be confident in English to perform it on stage, sure. And then the audience would. Uh, Chinese people didn't come for the longest time because they just assumed, even if they spoke English, they assumed they wouldn't get the humor. Mm, that makes sense. But then they come and they're like, oh, like half these jokes are just about like China and living in yeah. China or more. Yeah. And then they would see, and especially they love seeing like Chinese people performing in English because yeah. they're like, oh, we understand them because they speak like the level of language <laughs> we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I, 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 I agree with that um, because um, I don't know if you know Ben Jennings. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he, he moved to Japan. Um, and he started doing a show and yeah, that was like his, you know, number one thing about the show is that it was just getting people in the door that could speak English well enough. Because what he said is that what, what would happen a lot for his show is that people trying to learn English would come to the show. Oh. So they're like, they don't even, they're, they're not there to, language. they're not there to laugh <laughs> or have a good time. They're just sitting there staring at you. Like just trying to. That's how our open, it. that's how the open mics are in, in Shanghai because um, they're free. 
and there's no drink minimum. Oh, free English. It's a real, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, it's just a free English class. And so, like, it'll be packed, but everyone's bombing yeah. because the audience doesn't speak English. And when that happens, literally, I'll just go, like, all right, well, I'm not going to, like, learn anything here. Yeah. So I would just, like, talk to him in Chinese and try to go back and forth. Just smash a pie in your face. Just smash a pie <laughs> in my face. I would do that. A, Fall off a ladder. International language. Fall off a ladder, yeah. Yeah, violence. International. Yeah. Yeah. Run into a wall. But, but I guess in Singapore, there's, I mean, it's mostly like for England when you say expats or is it a lot of Amer- Americans? Um, yeah, I would it? say, I mean, most of my friends in, um, or no, I mean, it, most of the expats in um, in Singapore are mostly British and Australian. Like yeah. there's a lot of Australian there. Australian. Australian. A lot of mates. Very, a lot yeah. of mates, yeah. yeah. Um, I, a, lot of, <laughs> lot of, a lot of bogans. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Find it out. Um, but yeah, and so, I mean, but as far as like, there's not, there really isn't that many Americans. Like for the most part, yeah, there's there's a lot of, of British people there. So what did the audiences think of you as a, an American? Um, was that like different to them? Um, I don't know. I think that in general, you know, audience sort of categorizes you as local or expat. And so it doesn't necessarily matter. However, at the same time, you know, I would never really do any um, political jokes or things that um, sort of made me, you know, like like I was punching down at anything because people I felt like people would turn off. Now, is that because what I was saying made them look at me and think, oh, you stupid American or was I just shit? Unclear. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Like specifically, uh, what would you, so other people would go and be like, this Singapore sucks. Is that what people do? Hey dummies. Yeah. No, I mean, they, it wouldn't necessarily be like that, but just sort of, um, you know, any, like if you had any joke about, about how great America was never went so well. And nor should it. seem like a popular joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, things like... Uh, what years you were there? <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, uh, like, for example, one of, I was there when Barack Obama got elected for his second term. And, and I don't know if you guys remember, he almost kind of didn't win. And people are like... Oh, yeah. He was the president. It was, I forgot about, I forgot yeah. about it. Yeah. We had a president before Trump? <laughs> Dictator for life, I think. I forgot. Um, but yeah, and I remember it was, you know, one of those things of a lot of people were like, why, why are you guys stupid? Why isn't he getting elected? And you're kind of like, I don't know. Like, oh, yeah. I always loved it. So I took the opposite approach that you did. Yeah. Whenever people would be like, you're stupid. But mostly it wasn't Chinese people. It was like Brits. Oh, They'd be yeah. like the, my favorite, like my, the favorite, my best memory in life. Is wow. when best Bre- memory of life. is when <laughs> like the best six months of my life is when sorry mom for the eighth great birthday party that yeah no <laughs> it was when Lost. Brexit happened oh yeah but Trump hadn't got elected yet yes and that six months we were smarter than British people yeah. and I was still living out there and that was I brought that up as much oh, as I possibly was, could I, I couldn't agree with you more because I, that was actually the summer. Um, I think that was the summer that I moved away. And so I went that summer and then did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And again, like Trump is still there and everyone, but no one was like, oh, he's going to get elected. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was like, thing. yeah, that thing of you could just say something and they're like, yeah, well, you know, I'd get they the were the us. Yeah, they were like the Americans, was. but just like, the yeah. And then we took them over. They used to run the world. Then we ran the world. <laughs> we, we won they up some the idiots of the world with Trump. Trump. We didn't take long. We reclaimed the throne, but it was great. I, I remember like British people being in the audience. Be like, did you like, like the day after Brexit? Yeah. Like, you're stupid. <laughs> Brexit. <laughs> the 
problem was it was never the people at the shows. It was never like young, educated British people that were the problems. It was like the drunk 60 year old guy yeah. with like the big old nose from drinking too much. Yeah. I'm thinking of a specific that's person. The, that's, yeah, I'm like picturing every heads. Englishman I've ever met. Yeah. At a bar. And they'd be like, they oh, like- Americans don't know irony. Yeah. Their, <laughs> their face is all red and they look, yeah. their, fa- their head looks like a helium. A big potato yeah. nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, so, yeah. They were always the issue. Sounds like, but a guy could ask for soccer advice for. Yeah, well, he would give it to you. Yes, exactly. No matter yeah. what. No, but I, I agree. I think like, you know, there's there's a, a, a big difference between expats that have only lived there for like, you know, like five or less years. And then the ones that have been there for 30 years plus. I mean, those are always kind of the people that you want to steer clear of. because <laughs> They have an opinion. 30 and, years yeah. plus. Yeah. It's a, the longer you live away from your country, the more you like only remember the good things like you just assume your country yeah. is the best it's like it's like when you think back on high school and you think oh i wasn't that much of a dork in high school then you see a picture of yourself you're like yeah i was yeah like, or you finally remember people yeah like, like, <laughs> yeah. you're like well, why don't i talk to them now that's why i've never been to a reunion you never know <laughs> yeah, did you move to singapore for work or just for yeah so i moved there for work so I was, I was working in los angeles at the time and then i basically um got a transfer to sing well my options were I could either move to Houston or move to Singapore or be unemployed. And so Interesting like, choices. Well, yeah, I was like, Singapore sounds all right. The second um, choice is unemployed over Houston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we got fans. Come on, we got listeners in Houston. I was like, I would, I, would, I would rather pull tricks or work in a, in a rope coach <laughs> than move to Houston. I'm going to rank them. Singapore, unemployed. Yeah, sorry. I don't know if you guys have like a big following in Houston, but they're probably not listening anymore. So. Uh, yeah, we don't know if we do. <laughs> do we have any? I have no idea. We might have a couple. But yeah. Austin, we have a few, so I don't know if the transmission makes it over there. But no, I think the they radio, think they're the much better. Not strong enough. I think Austin, they're like the most, <laughs> they're the most uh, conceited people. They're in, pretty high up, yeah. Yeah, they're Singapore. So what? So you moved there. So what was it when you were moving there? Were you like, do you have a good idea what Singapore was? Or what was your impression? Uh, I did not. Uh, so the first time that I went to Singapore, it was it was before I was offered to move there, and um, I had to go. Well, I was basically moved because we were working on this big project. What kind and, of job was it? Um, it was engineering. Okay. Yeah, of course, like that. That's, you know, why most people move there. But, um, you know, either engineering or, or banking. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I so I, I went there just to um, I had to go for a week to, like, you know, work on this project or whatever. And I came I went over. I was again, I was still living in L.A. I went over to my brother's house and I was like, guess where I'm going next week? Singapore. And my brother goes, where is that? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere over yeah. in Asia. And so and my brother in law goes isn't Singapore at the tip of Malaysia? And we legit got on the computer and had to look up. Wow. Where Singapore was. Um, so, yeah, so I went there and I, I definitely remember like, you know, you're just sort of not prepared of, you know, they, they say things like, Oh, it's very progressive. It's very clean, but you know, you're not prepared for like how hot it is. And, and just, you know, simple things like, um, you know, knowing how to get around and, you know, it's you're just learning how to, um, you know, how to use transportation in a different country is, you know, was, was weird to me. Um, so I, so my first week there, it was like boiling hot. I remember we had to go meet with our customer. So I'm wearing this like suit, you know, it's a hundred degrees outside, a hundred percent humidity and they weren't ready for us yet. So we're sat in this air conditioned office and they're like, Oh, they're not ready for us yet. You know, can we take you guys out for a cup of coffee? And I thought, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, like I don't mind a cup of coffee. Iced well, coffee. Yeah. Well, we go out to the canteen, which is outside, and they serve this boiling hot cup of coffee. <laughs> and they're like, here you go. 
I was sweating my tits off. <laughs> like, so embarrassing. I couldn't take my suit jacket off because I'd sweated out my oh. entire shirt. Like, oh, it was so awesome. I never pictured Singapore being that hot either. I wouldn't have even thought. It it's very hot. Yeah. yeah. Tropical. So it's even though I was there for three and a half years, I still kind of never got used to it. It was, um, you sort of learn tricks like, Okay, always wear an undershirt. You know, don't don't walk super fast everywhere. You know, plan enough time to get there so that you're not rushing, so you're less sweaty. But mm-hmm. I mean, I never acclimated. They like, should sell fan t-shirts. Oh, they yeah. should. Yeah. Or do they already have that? Like a shirt that built in with a like fan that, inside? Like the yeah. Halloween <laughs> costume like where it's stand. like um, a bit. It looks like a big horse that you're riding. <laughs> yes. It has a fan. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Just for regular clothes. <laughs> Great for like a date, so you're not like schwitzing and yeah. nervous. And- <laughs> oh, yeah. Like yeah. There was there was this one time when I went on a um a date with someone and yeah and so we I specifically said let's meet at this restaurant which I knew you know obviously was air conditioned we sat outside <laughs> and he's like. Let's go and sit outside. Oh, and it's a I, night out. yeah, and I literally just started sweating instantly. And I go, I'm so sorry, but like, we, we need the air conditioning. <laughs> I mean, it was so embarrassing. We only went on one day. <laughs> that's all I'm But that's Co- also Colin. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Then he stole all my jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then he wanted to film a documentary about me. Oh, He's like, I want to film a documentary about dating in Singapore. Can you sweat your shit out? <laughs> How was dating there? Um, like compared to here. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I think that there, I don't mean as, I think that there it's safer just in the sense that a, you know, um, you know, kind of everyone there, like, well, if, if you date an expat, um, you know, uh, so I think that there it's a little safer in the sense that sort of all of the expats were moved to Singapore for some reason, you know, they're, they're a specialist or they're, Smart at some point of their They've made job. it past this first screening. Right. Like, right. They can get a job. Yeah. They have like a- you, can, you can get a job and you can be gainfully employed. You yeah. can figure out how to live in a different country. Yeah. So it's so in that aspect, you sort of meet a lot of interesting people. Um, but like for well, but the one, you know, but some things would happen where like, for example, the date that I went on where I just started sweating instantly. The, it, so not only did that happen, but also at the end of that day, he admitted to me that he had a girlfriend back in Germany. And I was like, oh. why did we go on this date? Oh, well, okay. That's second date talk. talk. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not first date yeah. talk. How are we phrase this? And my girlfriend loves to sit outside. <laughs> you remind me of my girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. Can you just like wear this mask for a little yeah. bit? Oh, wow. No, because the way he phrased it was, I didn't think that this date would go so well. <laughs> But it did. But I so now I feel like I should tell you I have a girlfriend. <laughs> so <laughs> that's like a compliment sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. That is I'm like, uh, interesting logic. OK, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I'm allowed to date others as long as they don't go well. Or date. So, <laughs> any company. She doesn't care as long as they care. don't go well. <laughs> yeah. This open yeah. arrangement. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I think and then so but um, but then it's also sort of safer in the sense of you have a lot more mutual friends, which I guess could be a good thing or a bad thing. You know, it's you sort of um, I think you go on better dates because you probably have some people that are very similar, you know, and again, because I think that, you know, people are normally very interesting and stuff. And obviously like there's loads of amazing people in New York. However, in New York is where, you know, people I think are so good about hiding like really <laughs> bad aspects of their personality. Worse than so having it, a girlfriend in Germany. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's not even, that's not even really a personality. Right, 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 right. You know, that's just a, a cold hard. Yeah, fact. Yeah. Um, but so we're better sociopaths in New York. Is exactly. Yeah. So I think that I think whereas in New York, you know, is the time where I went on dates. 
were, were just awful. You know, ones that you want to leave in the first 10 minutes. It's um, it's more like totally up to chance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 100%. If you're in Singapore, at least you're like, you have somewhere to start. You're like, oh, so why are you living in Singapore? Like, yeah. And if right. someone's yeah. also just from a different country, doesn't that make them more interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Like the same person dating them in, and when you're in like Singapore or anywhere else outside of your, your countries is more interesting than if you dated them in your home country. Like if you date someone yeah. from yeah. Germany, yeah. even if they're the most biggest bore, at least you can be like, where are you from in Germany? Yeah. What's it like in yeah. Germany? Yeah. What's yeah. this like? You What's always, that like? Yeah, you or and and also you sort of um you know have that bond of you know you're away from your families, you're away from Wait. your girlfriends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know how you, so you sort of have that thing of um and also yeah not only of oh we can talk about where you're from but also what was your experience like when you moved here? Yeah. You know and sort of like commiserate in that. You know what are the things that you miss here? What are the things that like really get on your nerves, etc. And then you all kind of know somebody. It's like college in that way. Yeah. Like yeah. you might know. Yeah. I guess that could be good or it could be bad too when things don't go well. It could be. Yeah. Do you ever run into people that you'd gone on dates with before? Like out? Yeah. All the time. Oh really? But I know. But I was lucky in the sense that I can't think of one person that like that either he or I burned each other so much. Um, So um, yeah, it's, it's like you sort of run into them and it's kind of like, oh, hey, you know, it's sort of, you know, again, like, well, because I grew up in a small town, so I sort of know how to just, you know, I don't. I don't hold grudges about anything. Yeah. So it, you know, I, I, I can't think of a time where I saw someone and I like ran and hid because I was like, Oh, I don't want to see it. Yeah. You got to like get over it. Coming from LA where I used to live in LA and it just, yeah. like, LA is just so spread out and everything that you can like literally, yeah. it's, it's very easy to never see people ever exactly. again. Like <laughs> so, when I, when I lived so I was, in LA one time I was out at this bar and my friend Ashley was in the bar and we freaked out for like 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so oh my LA. God, you're here. <laughs> yeah. What? I never, run into someone yeah it's, if, crazy. yeah it's it's yeah everyone's so spread out and how was the comedy central asia you you were on comedy central asia yeah, yeah. okay what'd you do so um it? so there were a couple things that we did one it was um a live performance which again talk about sweat city um <laughs> it was it was this live performance um that we did it was kind of like a sketch so sketch show sort of thing and that was fun. Um, and then the other thing that we did is they um, they wanted to do like a featured comedian of the month sort of thing. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And so anyway, so they uh, so they they it was just like a, an interview. And then they, um, uh, you know, and then we did like little spots for like the commercials that they're using to plug it. Um, but the one thing and this makes me sound awful. So the one thing that they said, and again, this would have been in like maybe 2014 or something, I think. Anyway, um, they the one thing they wanted us to do was to say our material and record it. And then they were going to play that on, uh, you know, on the, on the commercial. And I refused. I was like, no. Wait, what does that mean? Say your so material. They wanted, they wanted to like record some of our set. They just wanted to record it. And then, and not in front of an audience. They just wanted oh, us like to preview. like say it. And then they were going to plug in laughter, I assume. Hey. Like, so anyway, <laughs> So that's not even the worst part, but yeah, but also, and so I just said, you know what? I'm just, I'm really not comfortable with that. Like, I thank you guys so much. Like, you know, if, if that's um, what's required, <laughs> that's so I don't want to do it because I, you know, by this time I'd only been doing comedy a couple years and I knew that one thing I did not want to live forever 
was my comedy at that time. Like, was my oh, wow, that's Awareness. so smart yeah. of you. Yeah, yeah. Like, no one else so, would do that. <laughs> Everyone was just so excited to get on. Every other comedian would be like, you know what? I am great. I've been doing it for two years. <laughs> I was, I, cause I just kept thinking, you know what? Like, I, I haven't been doing it that long. I don't want this to, li- I don't want this to be Googleable forever. And I think about what I did at the time, and I am so glad that I did. Wow. I'm so glad I did that. That's amazing. So what was it like when Comedy Central showed up, like in Singapore? Because I remember when that happened, and I remember just hearing like, holy shit, Comedy Central's opening in Asia, and they're going to be in Singapore. And then everyone's like, "What? Uh, what do we do now?" Yeah, it was because <laughs> it, it was like fifteen people in every te- in every city around Asia. There yeah. wasn't a big scene. Right, right. So what I really liked about um, working with them was, first of all, the team was very young. Like everyone was kind of, you know, it was it was a very young crowd. It wasn't like there was this old curmudgeon, you know. So they were very, and they also were comedy fans. You know, they they wanted to talk about comedy. They were like, you know. You, you know, do you like this person? Do you like that person? Like they were really into it. Like they were really into the project and into their work and that um, kind of thing. And so like, I would see them around all the time and it, they'd always be like, hi, Suzanne, how are you? And stuff. I mean, they were really just lovely people. And again, like just really um, passionate and they wanted to do a good job. And um, it was, again, it wasn't, and they were again, also based on, you know, what I've just said, they were also sort of, um, you know, open to your artistic license, you know, of like, if you felt comfortable doing this, they weren't going to force you to do anything, which was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And what were they doing? Were they like letting, were you guys let, like, were they letting people pitch them original show ideas or were they taking American comedy central and showing it on their comedy central or were they producing original content? You know what I mean? No, they do. They did. They did. Well, they um, did original content and then they would use stuff from, um, yeah, from, from so they did. Yeah. Yeah. So they would, they would again. And I think that that's because if they were short on something and they splice in something else, like, um, you know, to just make sure that they had enough time for whatever that spot was going to be. Wow. Yeah. So, so did anybody, you know, get shows? No, it was, it was not like a, it was, it was an experience where they just, they were like, we're going to feature you. And so you didn't meet with the people who were, um, you know, sort of like the the producers of Comedy Central. It was the production team. And, so, you know, so like so you met with like the director, you know, those sorts of people. But it wasn't this sit down meeting of, hey, let's pitch the show together. However, definitely, I think that, um, you know, that introduction, certainly for the local Singaporeans, was, you know, maybe one of the first steps into at least like getting more work from the station for sure. Were you there in Singapore when they filmed that movie that Am- um, I need is it called I Need You to Kill the Amazon documentary? I don't think so. If I was, I don't remember. It, it was like 2014, I think. Oh, really? And they went to Singapore, Hong Kong and Macau, weirdly, as like, these are the three meccas of comedy in Asia. Meanwhile, there's no there's like zero comedians who live in Macau. (laughs) Just the Hong Kong comedians went to Macau for the filming. Of course, why not? And to make it seem like it was a big deal or something. I I must have missed that. But yeah, Yeah. Fuzz is in it and um, a couple other of the comedians. But they just came. It's weird because it just came out like a few months ago. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, I'll definitely have to look that up. That's But it's presenting like it's coming out now. But if you know any of the comedians, they everyone looks way younger. <laughs> and to your point, everyone's like not as good at comedy as they are now. Mm. And so it's like your material from 2014 coming out now, including the guys who yeah, four years is a big time. It's a big time. It? Yeah. And if you watch it, you'd love it because like half the people you recognize and they don't they haven't been doing comedy for years. Yeah. 
And they're just some, because they interview like locals in the scene, plus these three guys that they take to go out there. Yeah. It's like Tom Segura and Pete Lee and oh somebody else. Oh my gosh, else. you're kidding. So they no. take people like Tom Segura and then go compare them to the, it's almost like They me. do, like they go film a documentary about Tom Segura and Pete <laughs> Lee. He's a local. Now watch Tom Segura kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. But even those guys aren't as good as they are now. Yeah. And just, they look yeah. different. That's, yeah, that's weird. Cause yeah. I mean, four years is, I mean, that's, you know, people, people quit in that time. Like, a lot of people in the yeah. documentary. It's also funny too. Won't name names. Colin. There's a few. Yes. There's a few Collins. That night filming and they didn't know, they didn't recognize it. There's a few Collins in Hong Kong who they interview and they're like, uh, so what's it like doing comedy? Like, listen, here's what comedy is. Oh. And they're giving this big philosophy and I'm watching it and I'm like, you quit comedy six months after that movie came out. You quit comedy. Somebody and one of you's in jail. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, there is a guy who went to jail. Yeah. Oh, another Colin. Another Colin. Yeah, Colin. <laughs> Colin. Use his yeah. name. It's a... All right. Well, well what's it been like? Uh, sorry, when no. Go ahead. Back. You moved back in 2016 or 2015. Yeah. 15. Yeah. Right. Any? Did you have any big oh, adjustments you... to coming back to New York from Asia? Or? Um. Yeah, for sure. Because because Singapore is such a safe, you know, society. It's this place where you kind of are always just sort of taken care of. I right. I, I you know you never feel unsafe. Whereas when I came to New York, it was a cultural shock just for things like um, don't make eye contact with people like I didn't even know to not do simple things like that. And so, you know, so many times like someone would get onto the subway and I would look at them and they're just screaming my face. <laughs> Wait, and, really? Yeah. 100%. I didn't know you're not supposed to make eye contact yeah, with people. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. I, also, I came back a year after you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Catching up. Learning yeah. Curve. yeah. So I, I don't know. Like I just had so many experiences. And again, I think it's because, you know, I sort of have that face of, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ruin her day. You know? <laughs> I have, it's people want to ruin my it's day. It's a compliment. Like, <laughs> I make eye contact with those people and then they yell something weird at me, but then yeah. I like, it's an experience. Yeah. Part of New York. <laughs> the other thing as well is I think that in New York, because I'd come from Singapore where, so the, the last memory that I had of moving to a new place, I instantly made so many friends. You have this big group. So you sort of like are, you know, this, you have this memory of, or, you know, thought of when I move there, I'm going to make so many friends right away. Right. And I did but it was very like slow but sure process because in New York you know people understandably so are, are you know more guarded you know they they kind of like don't I guess um, you know branch out as much and so I think it took me a while to to get adjusted from that just because it took me a little bit to sort of like build up my friend group. So I also yeah. found that people are just busier here. Yeah, true. Like true. like in. Um, I would imagine so I've been to Singapore a, a few times on friends there and it's like, and but it's also the same in China or even like Sacramento where I'm from probably Ohio. People get off work at like five or five 30 and then like, let's go to happy hour. Yeah, yeah. And people just uh, like tonight, like it'll be like three in the afternoon and people are like, Hey, let's go meet up happy hour. And then we'll yeah. hang till seven or whatever. And here, like I have zero friends who could do that. Yeah. Everyone's so much busier. Maybe it's also age. My friends are married with kids. So I was going to say, maybe it's because I'm older, <laughs> yeah. but also like all the comedians I know there, everyone has spots. Yeah. Everyone's running around. Yeah. There, I couldn't put a group of people together to hang out tonight. I think it's also because in New York, there's so many other things to do. Whereas, you know, in some place like Singapore, it's kind of like, let's just go to Boat Key and have drinks. Like, there's not <laughs> a wide is variety. Better, yeah. You might, you might, you know, mix it up and go to Clark Key instead of Boat Key. But I mean, that's <laughs> really... Mix up your really key. Kind of What's it? a key? Yeah. What does that mean? It means an island. Oh, an island. <laughs> they have those in Florida. <laughs> 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 so, yeah. 
Key West. Key West. It's, it's I, didn't a key. Know, I didn't know they were inspired it's, by Singapore. I will clarify. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. A key <laughs> is the, what you call an island. Oh, I did not know this. Key West. Well, key this West. is well, this is this is the key Q U A Y. Yeah, it's the Australian key, but it still just means like on the water. Basically. But it's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's not an island. It's not. It's uh, not. Uh, I was wrong. But it He's gonna edit this out. They didn't come. They didn't take it from saying Key West was inspired by Singapore. Unless the pirates. Australia. If we were just having this conversation conversation not recorded, I wouldn't have corrected you because I would have been like, you know, it doesn't matter. I just don't want to be on the record. Yeah, you don't like, want. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Wait, so it's not an island. Well, whatever. No, but Key Largo. You ever heard? She's of that? always thinking about the future with Google and everything. I spell. <laughs> here's some now. This podcast is the record. I spell the Florida Keys with a Q U. So yes. that's why. There's there. Yeah. All right. So we're all. Get, yeah, get on board. That was the problem. Yeah. All right. We're gonna get to the news, yeah. but before we do that, what do you do? You have anything coming up, or uh, how should people find you? Uh, yeah, so uh, so New York Comedy Club uh, tomorrow. Um, yes. Yeah, and so that's going to be a show. Um, another show on Friday, Bar None. And then also um, I do the weekly show at QED at 11 p.m. So that's QED in Astoria. So definitely check that out. What day of the week? Uh, it's on Saturdays. Yeah. So Saturdays, 11 p.m. The weekly show at Every, QED. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Nice. Well, come by. Yeah. Yeah. You're not far away. Queens. Yeah. I'll bring all the Amazon employees once they show up. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You're going to have to really up our techie jokes. <laughs> yes. You know, if you're not talking about Star Wars, you're bombing in front of that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get to the news. Back first story of the week comes to us from ABC News Australia. All right. China bans more than 6,000 karaoke songs in push to in push to improve copyright laws. How many karaoke songs are there? I mean, 6,000 sounds like a large chunk. Oh, Glad you gonna, asked. Where's going with those books? You there are but estimate every karaoke place in China has an estimated 30,000 to 50,000 wow. karaoke songs. Is that a lot? Like what do we have in America cuz it's a book, it's hard to count, you know, yeah. when you page How through. Do you go I mean, it's not going to be 50,000. Rip out like 10 pages or just like how That's like Exodus. Yeah. It's like it's like a like in and out burger where they have the secret menu. It's like yeah. at the karaoke, they yeah. have the secret song menu yeah, that you can order from. Cuz yeah, how yeah. we even know that? Yeah. Who knows that many songs? And how do they choose? I don't. Uh, which ones to ban? Yeah. Like, is it? Uh, they claim that some of them are owned by certain people. I mean, obviously, all of them are owned by somebody. <laughs> yeah, but they claim that some people are. There's a couple things here. I know that Chinese government officials love to sing karaoke. Do they sing karaoke in Singapore? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think karaoke is. I mean, I, of course, it's part of China. Statement. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like karaoke, yeah, big everywhere in Asia, especially, like, you know, Koreans love karaoke. Yeah. yeah. It is very stereotypical yeah. in my mind. Like yeah. it being big in Asia, karaoke. Yeah, they yeah. but it's like the it's like the Asian other kind, right? Belting them out. Yeah, it's not like in a dive bar, like some guy singing, like uh, I don't know, whatever on Sweet the road or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, but it's but so I think these government first of all, it's like a great way to for them to have to go to karaoke bars. Yeah, for sure. To monitor, they're like, oh, this is gonna take us at least two years of work, and they uh, get to just go sing yeah, and yeah. drink. Yeah, that's good expense. I was at one time. Well, the first year I was there, I worked at this company in China, and they were like, oh, we're for a, like a team building activity they're like we're all our section had decided to sing karaoke like go out together and sing yeah. karaoke and i'm like oh this is gonna be good and i had like my head like we'll all get drunk and go out on saturday night they did it at 11 a.m on a saturday oh you can't do karaoke at 11 a. On a <laughs> it was awful i was I so hungover and then they just like drank tea 
and there was no beer. There was no like do karaoke sober. Hundred percent sober. Whoa, yeah, crazy it's to me. very, it's very weird. Like one, sorry, it's not karaoke, but um, so Marina Bay Sands or not, yeah, that's in Singapore. The one thing is like if you go there, you know, so it's this massive gambling thing, and you think, oh, okay, people are going to be drinking. They're not. They are. They are having tea. They are focused on what okay. they're doing. Smarter. The last thing that they do is drink. And I can't imagine gambling without alcohol. Like yeah. that. I mean, I wouldn't gamble. Yeah, yeah. that's the only reason yeah. why I gamble because yeah. I'm drunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because like, you're like, I'm happy to throw this fifty dollars out the window. Sitting at yeah. poker night, sipping tea, and like <laughs> the thing is, we think of that gambling as a bad decision. And I guess they're like, oh, if I if I don't drink, like I'm I can focused, make smarter like, decisions. Odds, I can, yeah, they but, kind of. I think. Yeah, I think that like. They're definitely doing a lot in Singapore now to uh, educate about gambling addiction. But I I mean, I think that like even that term gambling addiction is very new. That's like, out. Yeah. I mean, I, New Jersey's going the other way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they didn't they just legalize fat boy. Yeah, what's his name? Chris Christie I'm legalized tea uh, and gambling. And but what's your what are your karaoke songs and you would sing? When well, you, let's go. Did I you mean, do different. What I want to know is, did you do different songs than you were there? Because like I once went to a karaoke oh, bar yeah. in New York City. Mm. Um, we, I went on a double date. With two girls, a friend, a friend James brought us, okay. Jimmy, and the two girls barely spoke English. I think they were Chinese, actually. I and think so, they were Chinese. <laughs> it's a long time ago. So we were like literally doing like uh, like Tupac and Biggie songs, which I would never do. Like it was in a room, but yeah. I would never do that in front of Americans. I'd be too like so. Like I wonder if I was in Asia, would I do? Because like in America, normally I would do like I don't know, like Come on, Feel the Noise or something. <laughs> Wait, why like, did like, you do? Hip hop because they were Chinese people. Because Jimmy wanted to do it, but like, because they didn't know how stupid we looked as two like white guys doing <laughs> songs. Whereas I would be totally conscious of doing that in like a room in front of people. You're like, like you're I would like, never uh, do that. You're like, I'm totally killing this yeah. because I can enunciate all these words. Yeah, they, like, <laughs> I don't think that any. I was gonna actually say this. I don't think that for karaoke it should be a law. Like if I was to outlaw, if I could outlaw karaoke songs, it would be any rap song unless you're a rapper. Yeah. Unless you're actually a rapper, but like that, the worst thing to hear at karaoke is some drunk guy trying to keep up with right, the that's lyrics. My point. I would never. Yeah. Yeah. When so all they, they think they're like, oh, I know the chorus, so I love that song yeah. just because you love it, and then you're like, oh yeah, and then right. We have to be strategic once you've done karaoke live, knowing which songs you can handle, and like which you can't. Right. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. what basically you're saying. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, if I was in another country, would I even not even care? Well, no, there was like a Chinese one that you could do. If like if that like that 11 a.m. thing with my work, yeah, I would definitely do this one Chinese song I always knew because you'd be like everyone, Ooh, and like you get that like dumb applause. It's like yeah, you're, you're just singing the happy birthday song. It's in Chinese. Yeah, like, just Whoa. anything you do, it's just wow. Yeah, and right. I would get like they they top me off on the green tea. At that oh yeah, point. a little more, a little more tea green tea. This guy's getting <laughs> yeah. a little crazy. Whoa, I got, you know I've got a I've got a I've got to walk home later. Yeah. Yeah. Let me. I also last not to change it, but like I they the copyright thing seems fascinating to me, right? Because China there's all these copyright issues and the karaoke is where they're going with it. Yeah, there was some like theories and all sorts of other things. Oh, so the theory that the Chinese internet has is that um, it's ba- it's for censorship reasons. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right, so they're they're, it's, yeah. they're just those are six thousand songs they thought were like unseemly for Chinese people to hear. Bad yeah. messages or bad messages. Maybe it's something about like sex or something. Right. Taiwan. Yeah. Like if the Rolling Stones yeah. performed in China, like, what about free Tibet? Yeah, like, exactly. Whoa, we are, <laughs> yeah. Like, Pearl Jam song. that one out. <laughs> Oh, the Beastie Boys definitely would never be allowed to play. Oh, so, but it's like you're not—you're just playing a karaoke. But yeah, and 
They would not let. I was there. Um, I was going to see. I had tickets to see Oasis when I was there. Oh wow! And at the last minute, like two days before the show, they ban- uh, they canceled it because they had fa- someone had found out that Noel Gallagher solo had performed at the Tibetan Freedom Concert in like 1994. Oh, you're kidding! No. Wow, talk about the world's biggest grudge. Man. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so in like 2012 or whenever that yeah. was, they canceled and, and it. And they broke, band broke up right after that. So you was- right after. So yeah, whatever the year was, it was right after. <laughs> What's yeah. your? Do you do what karaoke songs? Uh, do you know I'm a big fan of um, Don't Stop Believing by Journey? Oh, yeah, that's a good, a good one. That's a but that classic. one, I don't, it is good, but it, it's always a little too long. I, it is you know, a longer I, I sort song. Of, yeah, I sort of do that. Um, that's part of the strategy. You got to pick ones that are popular with the fans, but not yeah, too long. You don't be up short. there forever. Yeah. And not the big, long musical break in the middle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're like, yeah. like the one up there singing November Rain, Get Off. Yeah. Great song. Next story. This comes from The Guardian. All right. Japan's cyber... Oh, this one's from Weber. This is from our uh, frequent podcast, Michael H. Weber. Japan's cybersecurity minister admits he has never used a computer. (laughs) (laughs) Yoshitaka... Sakuranda, 68 years old, also seemed confused by the concept of a USB drive when asked about it in Parliament recently. <laughs> How's he the cybersecurity? He says, since the age of 25, I've instructed my employees and secretaries, so I don't know. Uh, I don't use a computer myself. Well, that, that was correct. 43 years ago yeah. when he was 25. So he's never used it since that time. But, but there was, I, computers have changed. I think he thought he was bragging when <laughs> yeah. he said he made his secretary do it. Yeah. But I also think it's something that, you know, I mean, there's obviously like a lot of nepotism in Japan. Like it's, you know, like, for example, like when there's a new CEO of, um, you know, one of the, any of the major companies, they 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 get adopted, you know. So I think it because I read this. Wait, what? Yeah. So <laughs> no, this is a true story. So, like, let's say, for example, um, you know, there's like, a, a you know, just name like a major Japanese company that when they hire the new CEO, Sony, they, Mitsubishi, yeah, Nintendo, they, they that CEO gets legally adopted by the family that owns that company so that they're part of the family. And it's something wow. that the percentage of adopt the, the percentage of adoptions in Japan is dominated by like males for that reason because like i guess adoption in japan's not that big hmm. um again maybe that statistics statistics a little wonky but yeah they, they'll adopt like a 45 year old male <laughs> and then if you ever get fired don't you have to kill yourself oh, you get yeah. yeah you get kicked yeah. out of the family like how do, how do they, they how do you unadopt somebody if you get fired like, you don't. You just yeah. they jump off a building, or they take like a sword a and they stab it through their stomach <laughs> from the yeah. movies I've seen. Yeah. All right, this is I'm learning. So I guess do I want to work for a Japanese company or not? I, I would say like, don't like that, your parents. I think that don't rise to senior management in a Japanese right. company. That would be my advice. Yeah. But if you do, you don't have to use the internet. Right. <laughs> What's well, a good? You don't have to use a Japanese kid, and your mom's always giving you hard time about your job, and like, why aren't you doing better? Well, I don't want to become CEO because then I'll I won't be your son anymore. Slippery slope. <laughs> but I'd say we are giving them a hard time. But also, did you guys see that that Facebook thing where they he uh, Zuckerberg went in front of our like Senate and they were like, oh, him and Cheryl Sanders. Yeah. They clearly had no idea what was the Internet. Yeah. No, this is like six months ago. Oh, okay. I think Zuckerberg knows what the internet is. No, no, no. The people he was, the, the our senators. Oh, our senators. They were going yeah. after him. I was like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were like. tubes. Or- yeah, there was one of this one old guy. And maybe they were congressmen. I don't know. This one old guy was like. Senator doesn't know the difference between senator and the. I don't know. I'm still catching up. He was like, it's all one branch to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I come from the Chinese system. <laughs> he was like, uh, this old guy was like, so wait, why would people. He's like, you're telling me that people sign up for Facebook. 
Facebook. And then how do you get their information? And Zuckerberg's like, uh, they give it to us. <laughs> and he's like, now why would they do that? He was so frustrated. It's pretty stupid though when you think about it. It does. Why would they do that? Zuckerberg's like, I don't know. I mean, that's that's the thing. And like you being, I mean, I'm not necessarily, I'm not advocating for Facebook by any means when I say this. However, I think that that would be very frustrating for someone who that is, that is your job and it's this company you built. And then you go into these, you know, um, congressional hearings where they're asking you questions and it's like, that question is not vetted. It is just from his <laughs> yeah. mind. And it's, it's like, old person no, mind. you know, those things like, oh, Mark Zuckerberg totally didn't know how to answer a question. Yeah, because it doesn't exist. We don't, you know, live in a land of unicorns. What Zuckerberg was saying was he was like, he's like, well, Facebook, he's like, why would anyone do this? And Zuckerberg was like, well, Facebook, we think of ourselves as a place where friends can meet. He was like really <laughs> giving like Wait, this talking point. So, yeah. he what he should have said is, look, I entrusted my director of security. I'm bringing out the Japanese guy. I didn't know he never <laughs> saw a computer before. I thought he looked like he's smart. I don't know. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Last story. <laughs> he's not smarter than us. From The Guardian. I think these have all been maybe Guardian. Oh, no. Two out of three. Dutch man, 69 years old, starts legal fight to identify as 20 hero. years younger. I read this. I read about this story. As I just turned 41, this is my hero of the week. So he's a, a 69-year-old Dutch positivity guru is what he calls himself. Who says he does not feel his age has started a battle to make himself legally 20 years younger on the grounds that he is being discriminated against on a dating app. <laughs> Wait, not let a lie in the dating app? Yeah. It, are you just no, the first no that it's that is that is was his his reason or his um his justification for it is that he's getting discriminated against because he's too old for these dating apps. So he's right. not able Oh, the app won't let him in. No, it's, it's he, no people won't date him. He's an old no fart. Date him because he's too old. Oh, but here's why is he just thing. telling me he's rich? No. <laughs> yeah, there's why about that? Ways, yeah, because there are certain ways to get around it for sure. But also, we can still see your face, asshole. You know, like Wait, we, what's he look like? Has he had like tons of plastic surgery? Like, is he like? Yeah, like, I mean, you it? get it. Yeah, maybe he's, he's, he's he might look like that guy. You know, the guy in the in-flight magazine yeah. that did a bunch of steroids and is like ripped, but he's like seventy. We <laughs> <laughs> just be use that movie. Yeah. Use the profile picture from twenty years ago, like my Twitter yeah. picture. <laughs> Does everyone do that? that? Yeah, but that's the, exactly. Like he's not keeping up with the times. It's like, yeah, you put in your real age, but you just upload old photos, yeah. and then you just surprise them, you right. know, with your with your potato, and nose. you just pretend on dates you don't know things that happened like twenty, yeah, <laughs> like your education. What? Wait, What's next? Who, what was the Vietnam War? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? That's yeah. the, that could be a way we could solve the, you know, the coming it talks about like social security crisis. Oh, if yeah, we just yeah. rule like anybody who looks good for their age, we just make them younger. Oh, that's yeah. You don't get yeah. your social security benefits. Yeah. You want you get, the trade off is you get to say you're younger. You yeah. say you're younger. Yeah. You and then get... you, you can go on dates and they'll be like, what's that POW <laughs> tattoo mean? I would love to hear this guy <laughs> trying to pretend like he's younger. Yeah. Wait, we fought people in Vietnam? That's yeah. where I went on my gap year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's ballsy too because it's, it's a lot of positivity. It's one thing to say, like, you look good for your age or like you look five years younger. Yeah. Even yeah. 10 years is like extreme cases. But like <laughs> 20. 20 years, this guy's really. Yeah. Here's the, the, the I mean, what, his skin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you hope he stayed out of the sun for most of that time. But the thing that surprised me the most about this article is that he's Dutch. Like this, like, doesn't that seem like a very atypical thing for a Dutch person to do? I feel like Dutch people in general are very straightforward. The very, you know, it's it's like sort of like a no nonsense, you know. They wear wooden shoes. <laughs> yeah, they, they can't age well. No I shoes. Think of anything they, about they Dutch cycle. people I've ever generalized <laughs> well, no Windmills. I, you know, I feel like that's something. Had that article come from, you know, a America, you know, some 
someone in America or maybe like Italy. I don't know, but it just it Those surprised Italians. me. It surprised me that that guy was Dutch. That seems like. Do you want to read another quote from him? Because these are just fantastic. Yes. When I'm on Tinder, he's complaining. (laughs) When I'm on Tinder, it says I'm 69. I don't get any answers. But when I'm 49, with the face I have, uh, I will be in a very luxurious position. Yeah, that's great. Wow, luxurious. I mean, when I used to be like uh, back on J date in the old days, if I said (laughs) I if I said I was a doctor, I got lots of responses. Yeah, this is the way it works. If I said I was an aspiring podcaster. Yeah. Nothing. You know, nothing. Aspiring podcast. <laughs> podcast in existence. So. There would be there would be times when I used to be on uh, dating apps that you'd be swiping through and you see like comedian people that you know you know sometimes friends sometimes not but yeah there is this one comedian again I won't name shame mm, and Colin. he in his photo he has a microphone clearly on stage and put as his job financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to get both. Well, he's got yeah. bit, he's got a comedy bit about financial. That's advice. a smart idea because yo go ahead. No, as you say, if you get the like the women who like comedian like oh are you a comedian like artsy people You're yeah. like yeah i'm a comedian right. but in my day job I'm a financial advisor but if you get the opposite you spin yeah. around you're like i'm a financial advisor, I'm a financial advisor. I I just, just for a hobby I yeah. Just, yeah i think it, yeah and i but also i guess to be fair financial advisor is a very broad term you know it's like what's you know yeah. you just what advise your grandma to, <laughs> yeah. to cash or social it's kind of like the life coach of the <laughs> financial <laughs> world financial yeah, advisor exactly. life coach. A financial really, advisor could encompass a lot of it, things. anybody you're right if yeah. you give advice to anybody you, like I can become a financial You're like advisor. the person that's handing yeah. out the grocery ads outside of the grocery store. Financial advisor, yeah. save money. Yeah. <laughs> financial advice. Coupons. Drink green tea when you're gambling. Yeah. <laughs> Don't drink alcohol. It'll save you a lot of money. Bam. I just take my own advice. All right. That's the podcast. <laughs> Suzanne, thanks for doing it. Well, thank yeah, you guys so fun. much for having me. Yeah, super fun. Kaplan, what should we do? Let's get lost. Get lost. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.